All right, guys, let's turn in our Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 24. 2 Samuel 24. We have been uh, going through a series for this month, the month of September, uh, and, and culminating today for Kingdom Builders. We began something last year called Kingdom Builders. It was a brand new concept and idea, and this church family wrapped its arms around it. It was a way, it was an income stream to fund the vision God's given us here at Calvary. It's an over and above gift. It's not tithing. It's a gift over and above our tithe. We had some people last year that said, Pastor, man, this is new to me and it's really encouraged me. I haven't been tithing, but I want to be a kingdom builder. Here's what I always say. Follow God's plan and God will bless you. It all begins with tithing. If you've not been tithing, start there. And then God will honor that and you'll be able to step in and join kingdom builders. If if you've never tithed uh, and you're part of Calvary, believe me, beginning to tithe will be a huge blessing to this church and all we do. And after you've learned that discipline, God will bless you and enable kingdom builders to become part of what we do. Well, what did we do with kingdom builders? Well, we began to look at things and say, how can we be more proactive in our giving? How can we be more intentional? How can we reach more people more quickly for Christ than we ever have? Well, last year was a phenomenal success. We, we targeted three areas, local, Missions all the way around the world, local and global missions. That's the primary area where the funding went to. The second area we said we would work with, which we did, is developing next generation leaders, young leaders, putting them in place. We're doing that here at Calvary. The third area is that we put ourselves last, so to speak, the development uh, and positioning of the church for outreach and growth. Calvary for that with, with kingdom builder funds. Was it a success? You guys blew the top off. $245,000 given last year just to kingdom builders. Come on, would you thank God for that? It's really big. I want you to, it's really important. You, it was awesome. It was big. It was generous. It was faith-filled. And so uh, what do we do here? Well, we're believing that God, uh, we're going to take the next step. That was a one-year commitment. Some people gave one time. Some people gave weekly. Some people gave once a month or bi-weekly. But we said, let's do this for a year. That wrapped up in September. And so now this first day of October, it's it's now become our second annual Kingdom Builder Pledge Day, our faith commitments to God. And so we're going to, we're going to look at that today. I want you to tell the person next to you, I want you to say to them, this is a big deal. Come on, tell somebody that. This is a big deal. This, this is not a little thing that we're going to discover and learn and talk about today. We, we, this isn't a surprise. We've been talking about this for a month. We've been growing in our faith and praying and, and, and asking God to show us what's important. Why is this such a big deal? Well, because it's, it's a, the greatest cause we can be a part of. It's the heart of God. Kingdom builders, mission, understanding why we're here. That once we were saved, we didn't immediately go to heaven. There's a reason God put us here. There's a reason God left us here. And it starts right where we are, and it reaches around the world. It's, it's, it's God's heart. It's a big deal. It's the greatest cause. People are always telling me, Pastor, I need something to live for. I need a cause that's big enough to commit myself to. This is the greatest cause on the planet, to share the gospel, to share the good news, to, to be Jesus' hands extended. There's no cause greater. So today is a big day. Today, I believe, is one of those days in your life. I mean this. These aren't over, overstated uh, things I'm saying. That you'll point back to a day like today. and Say, that changed something for me. That, that's one of those watermark days. One of those days you look back and say, I grew up that day. I shifted that day. 
It's, it's, it's an important day. It's a day to be a proud, to, that you're a part of this, that you were here and got to be a part of this day. It, it's a holy day. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? It's a holy day because we're given the privilege to connect to the heart of God and to do his will. What did we learn over this last month? We, we, we looked, uh, wh- why is it a holy day? It's the heart of God. What does John 3.16 say? For God so what? God so loved the world, you and me. What did he do? That he gave. For God so loved that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish or die, but have eternal life. See, it's holy because it's God's heart. And God gave the first gift. It's a holy day because we learned in Matthew 9 that when Jesus went through the villages preaching and teaching and he saw the condition of lost men and women, the Bible says he was moved with compassion. And we're to function like he functions. And he said, pray for laborers. He was compassionate, moved, touched by people that don't know Christ. Then we read in John 4 where Jesus said, it's my food to do the will of the Father. And I want to finish his work. And he said, don't say there's three months, four months. He said, the the harvest is here today. So there's an urgency to the harvest. The heart of God motivates us in what we do. How many are thankful somebody gave the gospel to you? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about all that had to happen for you to hear the gospel? Have you ever thought about the church where you heard the gospel? Or the church where your parents were and when you were a prodigal? Or the church your grandmother was in who prayed for you? Have you ever thought about all those details? Who built that church? Who won those leaders to the Lord? Where did that happen? Where did that come from? I can tell you, for you to be sitting in this room today, 10,000 details had to come together for you to be in this room right now. And none of them were by coincidence. Someone, somewhere before you and I got here, had the heart of God, cared about somebody other than themselves, became connected to what God was doing, felt the urgency of the harvest, felt the compassion of Jesus, and connected to it. That's what kingdom builders is all about. It's how we together do more than we could ever do by ourselves. And it's, it's a day, today is a day where we come in and say, you know what we're going to do? We're, we're going to, have, I've, I've given you a month. This is not a random knee jerk thing. It's not a, uh, some kind of manipulation. We've prayed and talked and studied for a month. God, what do you want to do through me? What's my part in kingdom builders and praying and giving? To see your kingdom come. See, we, we become more proactive. We become more intentional. Just like these crises that are happening. We're connected now to partners where we're not just reacting. We're not getting there two weeks after and a month after. And what are we going to do? We're there. Why? Because we've been proactive. We've gone through the year and we've looked at things. And instead of taking a lot of different offerings all year long, we've looked at things like Jesus and his friends, our big, our big Christmas outreach coming up. Uh, in, in uh, December where we're going to feed hundreds of families and, and do some great things. What have we done? We, we've combined that with it. In the summer when we do serve the city, such a powerful outreach, how does that fund it? Through kingdom builders. So we're, we're, we're giving you something that you can plan your finances. We can be more uh, intentional and proactive and we, as I said, we can just reach more people more quickly than we've ever done before. Last year, $245,000, nearly a quarter of a million dollars that this family did. Man, I'm so proud of you guys. It's just, it's overwhelming. But you say, well, pastor, as we come to this second time to make a pledge for the next year by faith to obey God, maybe this is new to you. So what are the, how do you do that? What do you do? Well, I've given you three words. You plan, you vision, you dream. Uh, you plan, you work your plan. What do you do with your plan? Work your plan. You look at your finances and say, I'm going to commit this to God. 
I'm going to commit this plan to God. And, and, and then you, you do that. That's what we've done. And then there's something. It moves from plan to vision. And after a while, as you see God helping you do that plan, you begin to go, you know what? This is what I can do. But what could God do through me? What if God's the source and I'm just the channel? I'm not the source. God's the source and I'm just the channel. And you write that vision down and you run with it. And so plan moves to vision. And vision moves to dream. And what's dream? Well, you, you work the plan, you write down the vision, and you just hold on to the dream because sometimes God gives you a dream so big, you got to be careful like Joseph. Joseph told his brothers his dream. And they said, man, you've lost your mind. You're crazy. Do you know right now I have some dreams so big, I, I am afraid to tell you my dreams because I don't want you to go home and have me for lunch. You know, some people have fried preacher every Sunday. You know that, don't you? Now, nobody goes to church at Calvary. Yeah, I know you. What you say, what does that mean? Don't, if you don't know what it means, don't worry about it. But um, I've got some dreams that I'm not free to talk about. You know why? Because they're between me and God. But I'm working my plan, and I've written down a vision. I'm running with it, and I'm holding on to the dream. I'm just holding on. See, your dream's the what if. You start working the plan, seeing the vision, you start dreaming. Limits start coming off. And you start having those times with God where you go, what if? Just what if? And so, so we did 245, 245,000. That's far and above what I thought we'd do. So we ought to be happy with that, Pastor. But, 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 but we've been learning this year, haven't we? We've been working a plan. We've been seeing the faithfulness of God. I believe God wants us to stretch ourselves a little bit. So I believe, I didn't just randomly set this. I prayed and prayed. I believe God's going to enable us to give $300,000 to uh uh, kingdom builders this next year. How many believe God's big enough to do that? How many believe he's big enough to work through us to do that? Come on. We're, we're, yeah, yeah. So that's what we're going to do. And that's what today's about. We, we have come to that day to say, okay, God, this is what you're talking to me. And this is what you want to do. Now, listen closely. I'm about to read from 2 Samuel chapter 24. What we're talking about very clearly is an offering. It's something that we're going to do during this next year. Listen, I want to I give a word to this offering that a lot of people are afraid to use. Pastors, I want to talk about this. And, and because of that, we're missing something. You know what I believe is happening in the leadership of the church? I believe church leadership is underestimating the power of the church today. I believe people are afraid to challenge because they're underestimating the church. And, and that concerns me. But let me tell you something I'm excited about. I believe not only are church leaders underestimating the church. Can I tell you something? I believe the devil's underestimating the church right now. And he's making a big mistake because I believe he thinks we're all compromised. That we're all afraid. That we're all self-centered. That we're all entitled. That we're all about me. Can I tell you something? God has a church, not just at Calvary, but around the world that's big enough. And the devil is underestimating the church. And he'd better watch out. God is going to do some of his greatest work in these days that we're living in. So what's this underestimated thing? What's this word nobody wants to use? I want to use it today. I want to show you the impact, listen, of this word of sacrifice. Oh, don't talk about sacrifice. Oh, listen. If you've never sacrificed, you've never lived life at the highest level. See, what is sacrifice? It means I put somebody above myself. It means that, it means that I want to give God my best. Now listen closely. You know what it's like when it's just you. We're getting close to Christmas. It's kind of that time. When you're young and immature, listen to me closely. Christmas is all about me when I'm a kid. Isn't that true? Now listen, I grew up in a little one-horse town. Anybody grew up in a small town? And I grew up pre-internet. Don't hate me because I'm, you know, but just be glad you can be this old someday too. It'll still be okay. Pre-internet. Listen, little town I grew up in, I, you can't make this up. Two stoplights, 
one police car. <laughs> that was it. So here's Christmas for me, little kid. Christmas is coming. You start getting excited. I didn't have a department store to go to. There was nowhere to go look at the big toys. You understand what I'm saying? I couldn't go online and shop. Here was my one connection to Christmas excitement, the Sears Christmas catalog. <laughs> Anybody ever even seen one or heard of one? Listen, for you young guys, it's like Amazon in a book. Okay, that's all I know how to tell you. It's Amazon in a book. And so the Sears Christmas catalog. So listen, I'm young and I'm immature and it's all about me. So here's what you do. You get the Sears Christmas catalog and you just look, oh, gee. I mean, it's, yeah, I've never seen that many toys in my life. And you're just looking, oh. And you start, I want, I want. You, I get that one. So if you're smart, here's what you do. You circle some of them. And then you, before you go to bed at night, you go lay that open Sears catalog circle where your dad's going to drink his coffee in the morning, see? You know, you work it. It's all about me. And that was Christmas, man. Christmas morning. What did I get? What did I get? You know, leave all the hints because who's it about me? But then you start to grow up. See, and that what we're supposed to be doing growing up. Yeah. And and I got saved. My life was revolutionized. And, and so I, life began to get much better. And and then and then I, I met Phyllis. Now, Phyllis is not here today. She's with her mom and dad in Dallas and area pray for them. Her father's health's really been, been rough lately, so she's checking on them, seeing how they're doing. I know you understand that. And she's with us heart and soul, probably watching Facebook Live now. Hi, honey. I love you. <laughs> just that one, honey, Phyllis. I wasn't talking about all the honey. Just that one, okay? She she get in trouble with that, all right? Just that one. All right. So, uh, yeah, Phyllis Sawyer, my wife. That, okay. So, anyway... Um, so, so I, I met Phyllis. Now, thank God I'd gotten saved because had I met Phyllis pre-Jesus, B.C., you understand, before Christ, she wouldn't have walked to the corner with me. She was a woman of God. How many understand what I'm talking about? I would have never had that blessing had I not met Jesus. So, so I, I, I fall in love with her, and we get married, and, and we're just kids, you know, working our way. I'm, I'm in college. She's working. I'm working. And, and something happened. Christmas stopped being about me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so I started thinking about her. And, 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 and you know, the Bible says it's more blessed to give than receive. And when I started growing up, I began to find that to be true. And so I began to think, man, Christmas is coming. I'm going to college. I got this little job. I'm barely making enough money to buy food. I'm trying to pay this. What am I going to give her for Christmas? So I start trying to do another job, work some other things, and, and I'm being secret about it. I'm not looking at my catalog, and I'm just thinking, what can I, I want to do? You know, I want to do that for her. And then, you know, uh, God bless those two little girls. And now, now really, now I'm really trying to think, what am I going to do? Phyllis and I sit down and talk. You know, we're pastoring this church. We planted this church with a handful of amazing people, just a little group. We rented a storefront building in Decatur. And, and you know, everybody's doing their best. But, you know, Phyllis, when we started this church, Meredith was 18 months old and Phyllis was pregnant with Nicole. We just walked in here believing God. We couldn't even buy curtains. We had sheets tacked up over the windows. So... People couldn't look in. That's how we did. Anybody ever had a hoopty car? You know what a hoopty car is? I had a hoopty car. It didn't even have reverse in the transmission. It was shot. I couldn't afford to buy a new transmission. So I always had to park where I could drive straight. I couldn't ever back out of anything. Understand what I'm saying? If I, I couldn't park in the driveway, I had to park on the street in front of the house. I couldn't back out. And, and, and when I wanted to get out of the car, uh, the, the door handle on the inside was broken on the driver's side. I had to roll the window down and get myself out from that side. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But I was so stinking happy I didn't know what to do with myself because I was in the will of God. 
But, but Phyllis and I, we're, we're trying to figure out, we want to give these girls a good Christmas. Why? Because we love them. Because when you love somebody, sacrifice is not a problem, it's a joy. How many hear what I'm saying? I'm taking you somewhere. Everybody with me on this? And so we began to do something. I don't know if they even do it anymore. But, but there's one thing that enabled us to have Christmas because, see, it mattered. We were sacrificed. We had a plan. See, we, 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 wanted, we had a vision. We had a dream. We were going to give these two little girls a good Christmas. So there was something called layaway. Anybody ever heard of layaway? I know some of you don't know what that means. So what you do, you, we started in July. And bought them a couple little dolls and toys. You understand? We couldn't take it on because we didn't have enough money. So you, you pick them out. And wherever you are, you know, Walmart, Kmart, something like that. You know, in Alabama, you got an S to it. Walmarts, Kmarts. But anyway, so we, we took, just fun and just playing. Don't get mad. So, you know, we, we uh, took them in. And, and you start every, every week, you pay on the layaway. How many know what I'm saying? You're sitting in line. You know, here's $3, you know, and here's $5, and I'm going to get there by Christmas time. Anybody, you understand? And, and why, why? Because I love them. Because, and they say, what do you want for Christmas? I don't care. I don't want anything for Christmas. Don't worry about me. Let's just do this. Let's do this. What I'm telling you is, God put that in your heart. That's when we're like him. That's when we begin to grow up and we begin to understand that it's not about me. That the greatest joy in my life is not what I get, it's what I give. That it's not just about what I get from church, it's about what my church allows me to do. It's about what we become as a people. It's about us growing up in Christ and being disciples. It's about us understanding that we're never closer to the heart of God than when we act like him. When we're willing to say, you know what, God? I'll sacrifice. I'm not afraid of that word. I'm not afraid to say that to you today because I know what it'll do in your life. I know the growth it'll produce in us. I know the development it'll produce in us. I know the favor that it will bring on us. So here's a beautiful picture of this. Look with me here in 2 Samuel chapter 24. I'm going to begin reading in verse 16. This is about an encounter in David's life. David was the king of Israel. He had made a terrible mistake. God had always promised him, and he had learned as a young man, he had learned this lesson. It's not the power of man, it's the power of God. How did he defeat, kill a lion and a bear as a little shepherd boy? God did that. How did he defeat the giant Goliath? God did that. How was David great and Israel great? It was not the number of men in the army. It was the God who was the Lord of hosts that was his strength. But for some reason, David sent his men out and said, let's count the army. And God said, don't do that, David. But he did it anyway. And they brought the report back. And as soon as they did, David said, I've sinned, I've missed God. But you know, there are consequences for choices. How many, hear what I, how many heard what I just said? I need to say that again. There are consequences for choices. So now judgment has fallen on the nation because of what the king had done. Look at Proverbs, I'm sorry, 2 Samuel 24 and verse 16. What do we read? When the angel stretched out his hand to destroy Jerusalem, the Lord was grieved because of the calamity and said to the angel who was afflicting the people, enough. Withdraw your hand. The angel of the Lord was then at the threshing floor of Aravna, the Jebusite, right there on this mountain, ready to destroy the city. When David saw the angel who was striking down the people, he said to the Lord, I am the one who has sinned and done wrong. These are but sheep. What have they done? Let your hand fall upon me and my family. What a leader, right? Let's go. Verse 20, next verse. On that day, God went Gad, G-A-D, Gad, not God. God spoke through Gad, the prophet. On that day, Gad went to David and said to him, go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aravna, the Jebusite. 
So David went up as the Lord had commanded through Gad. When Aravna looked and saw the king and his men coming toward him, he went out and bowed down before the king with his face to the ground. Aravna said, why has my lord the king come to his servant? To buy your threshing floor, David answered, so I can build an altar to the Lord that the plague on the people may be stopped. Okay, but watch this. Aravna said to David, let my lord the king take whatever pleases him and offer it up. Here are oxen for the burnt offering. Here are threshing sledges and ox yokes for the wood. O king, Aravna gives all this to the king. Aravna also said to him, may the Lord your God accept you. So God said, David, you need to buy the threshing floor. You need to build an altar. You need to stop this thing. He goes to Aravna. He said, you don't, he said, I'll give it to you. Now, most of us would say, hallelujah, that's awesome. He said, you take it. But watch David. Watch this. Verse 24. But the king replied to Aravna, no. I insist on paying for it. Look at this statement. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings, offerings that cost me nothing. He said, I refuse to give an offering that's not a sacrifice. I refused to let you pay the price for my sacrifice to God. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen and paid 50 shekels of silver for them. That's a lot of money, folks, in that day. David built an altar to the Lord there and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then the Lord answered prayer on behalf of the land and the plague on Israel was stopped. Very quickly, let me help us understand the importance. We get that David said, it's not a sacrifice if it doesn't cost me something. It's not an offering if it doesn't cost me something. Aravna, you can't give my offering. No one can stand in my place. But here's what I want you to see. Where was this threshing floor? What was this mountain there at Jerusalem? It was Mount Moriah. Where did we read about Mount Moriah first? In Genesis 22. When God said to Abraham, take your son your only son Isaac that I have given you and go to a mountain I will show you and sacrifice him there. And Abraham obeyed God and went to the top of Mount Moriah and was willing to give his son and God said, stop. I don't want the boy dead. I just want to know that I can trust you. On Mount Moriah, on that very spot, Abraham had a covenant with God that was still intact. Do you know sometimes God will bring us to a place and and if we don't understand obedient sacrifice, we may miss some of the biggest moments in our life. Here's what I want you to see. It was there in Genesis 22 on this very mountain where David gave a sacrifice to God, where God gave his name for the very first time. He said, Moses, I want to introduce a part of my nature you don't know about. One of my names is Jehovah Jireh, the God who will provide. And the Bible says in Genesis 22, it is on the mountain that God will provide for you. So what happened? David gives an obedient, sacrificial gift, and the plague stopped right there in his tracks. I want you to know that one decision to sacrificially obey God has the power to shut the door on the consequences of every bad decision you have ever made in your life. Did anybody hear what I just said? One obedient sacrifice will draw a line in the sand and stop the devil in his tracks. It can draw a line in front of your house, in front of your children, in front of your future. When God gives you a direction and you're willing to sacrifice 
It stops the plan of the enemy. But that's not all that happened. Because David bought that. So what happened to that mountain that was a holy place to God when this event was through? As we read forward, when Solomon, his son, built the temple where we still have the Wailing Wall, the Western Wall in Jerusalem to this day, it became the holiest spot on the planet where God literally would appear in a glowing Shekinah glory in the Holy of Holies. Do you know where that temple was built? On Mount Moriah. Do you see one sacrificial offering stopped the devil in his tracks and created an open door for heaven to come on this earth and the presence of God blessed this planet for centuries? I don't know about you, but I want to stand in a place before God where the devil has to stop his plague against my family, against your family, against North Alabama. And I want to stand in a place where our obedience opens the window for heaven to come and bless for generations. Anybody in agreement with me about that? The Bible says the children of a righteous person are blessed to a thousand generations. And I decree over you and me and what we do that the devil has to take his hand off a thousand generations of your family and my family and surrender the ones he has now in the name of Jesus. Anybody in agreement with me right now? Wow. An obedient sacrifice. David said, if it doesn't cost me something, it's not what God is asking. Let's go forward. I want you to see what Jesus did. If you'll turn to Philippians 2 verse 4. Philippians 2, 4, would you please go there with me in the New Testament? Very quickly, I want to I see this before we bring our time to conclusion here today. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4. Stop the judgment. <laughs> Open the blessing of heaven. Created an outpouring point. Do you know that's why we named this building the epicenter? Do you know that name's not random? You know, usually in churches, you have the children's center. We're going to build one next. You have a youth center. You have a workout center. Well, this is the first building we believe in the purposes of God from now on. And so we name this the epicenter. I know that's a funny name for a building. Why you name it the epicenter, Pastor? Because I want every time you say it and I say it and anybody says it, we're prophesying. What do you mean we're prophesying? What is an epicenter? The definition is the point of origin of an earth-shaking event. (laughs) The epicenter is where the earthquake starts. The epicenter is the founding place. And so we declare in Jesus' name that as we obey him, following his will and his vision for Calvary, that we are having an epicenter. We're from this place across North Alabama and not stopping the spirit of God is released. We are establishing a place for heaven to come to earth. Anybody in agreement, you say amen. amen. Philippians 2, what happens with the impact of a sacrifice? Look at verse 4, Philippians 2, 4. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Wow. Come on, pastor. I've got voices screaming at me. I've got finances pulling on me. I've got life coming at me real time, fast speed. But look at this. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. We do that. How do we do that as kingdom builders? How can you and I, average, ordinary people in this world, do this? Look at verse 5. How do we get there? He says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Okay, so, so, so what's that attitude? Are you ready? Who being in very nature God, 
Did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. In other words, Jesus said, I'm God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He's God. And his divine nature is not up for debate. But he said, watch this. His love for you is so great. He said, there are privileges I have as God. There's glory that I live in as God that I am going to let go of. Why? Not his nature, but his privilege. Why? Verse 7. But made himself nothing. Not forced into it. Not mandated to do it. But made himself. Emptied himself of his privileges. By his own choice. Is everybody with me? Made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness. That's what we're reading about here. The virgin birth of Christ. is coming to this planet to be our savior. No sacrifice ever get greater. God the son said I let go of my privilege. I humble myself and walk in your human flesh to be your savior. To come be your servant. I, that's the love of God for us. That's the sacrifice of Jesus. I want you to look again at verse 7. We've had some faulty religious teaching. I want to break off of you today. Verse 7 says, made himself nothing. Verse 8, look at it. And being in, found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. I do not like to hear and we're hearing sermons and teachings and Christians say they get sick or they lose their job or a crisis happens. And they say, well, God is humbling me. That's not biblical. That's not scripture. Are you listening to me? The Bible said God does not tempt nor does he use evil to accomplish his purposes. Now, there may be for some of us so hard-headed <laughs> that we ran ourselves in the ground that we made a thousand silly decisions and now we're paying the consequence and we hit bottom and finally we looked up. But I want to tell you something. It's not God that throws you down and puts you down and makes you sick and steals your family and kills your loved ones. The God we serve is a good God. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. And the only way you will ever really be humbled is not some deity smash you. It's by your own choice when you kneel before him and say, I yield myself because I choose to yield myself to you. That's the God of the Bible. And that's what Jesus did. What a sacrifice. What a sacrifice. Keep reading with me. And verse 8 again. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to death. What? Even death on a cross. All of that, letting go of his privileges, putting on our flesh, walking in our shoes, limiting himself because he alone could be our Savior. No man could have died on the cross, but God wrapped in flesh died for us, the innocent, for the guilty. No one ever lowered himself that low. No one ever came down that far. No one ever served to that degree. But what happened? Watch this. When your heart's to serve, when your passion is to love God, when you catch his heart and you're sacrificed because you love, you'll never out-sacrifice God. <laughs> you'll never out-love God. You'll never out-give God. Because look at verse 9. Therefore... <laughs> Because of what Jesus chose to do. What did God do? He exalted him uh, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. You see, no matter how low you're willing to serve, our God is able to pick you up from that place and make a way for you. If we will take a step down, God will give you a step up. If you choose to humble, God will choose to bless. Anybody with me right now? We see that. The impact. Let me, let me say this hurriedly. Think of this. Sacrifice is always based on love. There is no sacrifice without love. I walked you through the family scenario to begin. Why did Jesus do this? How are we with a Savior today? The Bible says in the most quoted verse, for God so loved, he gave 
Sacrifice always comes out of love. When you love, it's not a sacrifice, it's a gift. Sacrifice always comes out of trust. How could Jesus give himself to die on the cross in our place? Why he's there hanging on the tree, he says to his father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. What did he say? I trust you. I trust you. I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to sacrifice because I trust you. When you don't trust, you're afraid to sacrifice. Sacrifice draws us closer to God. You know what I found in my life? We run from this moment, but it's one of the greatest moments of your life. I found out in my life, when all I have is God, God is always enough. Anybody hear what I just said? We run away from that moment. We don't want to be in a place where all I have is God. We want this and we want this and plan B and C and D and E and three parachutes and 14 backups. But when all you have is God, that may be the only time you ever really know God is all you need. And we back away from those places and run from it, but it may be the greatest moment in your spiritual journey. Sacrifice inspires others. Put up Philippians 1, 13 and 14 for me real quickly. Sacrifice inspires others. See, it's, it's, it's just that moment. Here's Paul in jail for preaching the gospel. You with me? And what does he say? And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident, <laughs> not afraid. You would think the natural reaction, this guy's preaching and threw him in jail. We better be quiet and go away. They become confident in the Lord and dare, and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Paul's sacrifice inspired the whole church around him. His willingness to serve God and go to prison for his faith caused the other pastors, instead of hiding in fear, they stood up in confidence. Why? Because sacrifice always inspires the people around us. I close with this scripture. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 8.11, please. 2 Corinthians 8. 11, the impact of sacrifice on our lives, on those around us, is incalculable. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 11. So, Pastor, how do we do this? Listen, I, I, I want you to, uh, we, we got these cards right there in the seat back in front of you. If you're sitting on the front row, is one, either you're sitting on one or one's beside you. I want you to take that card out. Everybody, whether you, whatever your plans are, I want you to hold it with me. Would you do that? Everybody, 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 everybody. So, Pastor, what do we do? How do we do this, Pastor? How are we going to do this as a family with the variety, the diversity in this room? How are we going to get there? It's it's, it's exciting because we're going to do it together. I told you, this is a big deal. This is a big deal in your life. It's a big moment in your life. See, here's what he told the church, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 11. He said, now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it. According to your means. Look at this. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Watch this. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard pressed, but that there might be, what's that word? Equality. Do you know how we reach the goals God gives us corporately? Because we're obedient individually. This is what the Bible just said to us it's not equal giving. It's equal sacrifice. We can all sacrifice equally. For one person, for the widow, it was two mites. For King David, we read about in Samuel, for the temple, he gave, translated to today's money, over $10 million. But it's not the gift that's equal, it's the sacrifice. I can tell you that over this last year, Phyllis and I have had an incredible joy that as God dealt with us 
as we began Kingdom Builders, I never want to lead you any place I haven't gone myself. And we were able to give our largest commitment over and above our tithe to any one thing we've ever done last year. We have a lot of different things pulling on our finances right now in our life and family and home and things going on. But you know what? Here's what I discovered. Month after month, God made a way. God made a way. Month after month. And so as we came to this today, we're praying. We talked this morning on the phone before I came. Said, sweetheart, we've been talking, been praying. I said, this, are you agreement with me what we should do? And so, you know, we did. We've seen God provide. I've been working the plan and seeing the vision and holding on my dream. And I said, I think we can, I think we can do more. She said, so do I. So I put it in the first service. I'm going to put it in this one. I'm, I'm not going to miss my blessing. <laughs> and God will do that. We had a lady last year, I knew this God was in this kingdom builders when we started. I was, you know, first time, didn't know what to do, kind of wondering how the response is going to be. And a widow in our church, a widow, said, I'm not sure what the future is going to hold. Here's, she wrote a $10,000 check, a widow. I said, God, that's humbling as a pastor. We're going to, that's holy before God. It was humbling to me. And then this year, we've already had a young couple, a husband and wife, new to our church this year, two little children. Said, I heard it, Pastor. I got it. I got it. I heard it. He said, I, I want to make sure this happens because, you know, we got a lot of things going on. Here's a check $7,000. So, could they have used that for other things? I said they had kids. Of course, they could have used it for other things. But it's not equal gifts, it's equal sacrifice. See, when we come to this point, everybody becomes important. Everybody. You say, well, mine's too small. Or is mine too big? Listen, what, what are we learning? Listen, if everybody does this, the power of unity and favor and blessing, if we do our best, God's best rests on this church. It's an individual choice, but we do it together. Together, it, it, it's, it's mind-blowing. Listen, what do you say? My gift might be too little. What if your gift? Remember the Bibles I showed you two weeks ago? In the printed in the language there of Zambia? And they went to one village, and while they're doing it, another lady says, you never came to my village. What, what, what if your gift was enough to buy one more Bible? So what I do is not important, but if you did, what if you did it? And it bought one more Bible. See, that we couldn't have bought. Your, your gift could have done that. And it could do it going forward, and that one Bible could reach one family, and that one family could reach one village, and that village, see what I'm saying? What if, what if your gift said, I can't do it, what if you could buy one more gallon of gas? For a missionary to go one more mile that he hadn't gone before, it'd be well worth what you did. What if it could buy one more meal for a hungry child? Not around the world, but right here in North Alabama through our dream centers. One out of every four children living where we live now are going to bed hungry tonight. Their parents worried about what they're going to eat. The kids running around finding something. If you look close, you can see them in the grocery stores. I watched a kid this big with a little sibling that big going through a handful of change trying to buy anything they can buy. Start looking for them. They're there. So what I try to do, they don't know me. I'm a stranger, you know, stranger danger. I try to be careful. But I try to say, look, I'll, I'll buy that for you. Can I buy this? And I always get something else and say, look, get these boys this. Get this little girl this. I'll pay for it. They're everywhere. You could buy one more meal for the Dream Center. What, what, what if we, you know, we, we could put clothes on one more orphan. We could, we, we could rescue one more lady out of human trafficking. See, you can't, nothing's too little. Nothing's unimportant when we do this together. But maybe on the other hand, your equal sacrifice is not that. Maybe you could buy the vehicle that somebody else put the gas in. Are you with me? That's, there's people with that potential. 
Maybe you could build another orphanage that we could put the children in the orphanage. Are you with me? Maybe you, instead of feeding one meal, maybe we could, we could, you could pay for that kitchen to go in that church out in the bush that we, we, we found in Kenya. See, so, so, so how do we do this? It's just as simple. You go to work for God. What do you mean go to work for God? You say, well, you know what I'm going to do? I, I'm going to give one hour a day to this. And, and I love it because then you go to work and you say, you know what? This is my God hour today at work. Or maybe you say, you know what, God? I'm going to give my bonus to Kingdom Builder. Or I'm going to give my commission to Kingdom Builders. Or maybe you could say, maybe, let's be honest, you say, you know, God, I'm comfortable. I really have all I need. And what am I supposed to do with this excess? There's a reason God gave it to you. Or maybe you don't have excess and you say, but I want to do this. And so you, you work three or four extra hours a week and it doesn't hurt your family or you. And you, you, you create a second income coming in. Maybe you pay off a debt. And in place of that debt, instead of paying off debt, now you're investing in the kingdom. See, there are places. You see what I'm saying? There are places that together, instead of finding what we can't do, we begin to find what we can do.